so much wisdom here, so much wisdom. I, I'd love to know, and we'll just open it up at this stage, and you guys can just jump in any time you want. What's, what's encouraging you at the moment? When you think leadership, when you think church, when you think Australia, what's encouraging you in, in the landscape of leadership at the moment? I think um, one of the things that surprised me, you read The Age, you read um, the ABC and listen to the ABC, and it seems to be a very critical element coming across against Christianity. But when you're actually on, on the trenches planting churches, what surprises me is that people want to come. There are lots of people who want to come and, and be part of a reformed church and hear the gospel. And it surprised me in some ways. I'm, I'm from New South Wales. That's where I was trained initially. I've come to Victoria. And I was a little like, am I going to be too hardcore? Do I need to soften my message or something? Just, just preach the gospel, be very clear about it. Lots and lots of people want to join our churches. Lots of people are becoming Christians and getting involved. People from a range of different ethnic backgrounds, range of different church backgrounds. But it, it surprises me, people wanting to come in, be part of the leadership. And one of the extraordinary things about Melbourne is that we have a, a big focus on a kind of the inner urban sometimes, but the great mass of people in Melbourne live in the outer suburbs, which are growing at the rate of 100,000 people a year. We need to plant 50 churches of 200 people every single year, or if you want to have it, 10 churches the size of City on a Hill every single year, just to reach 10% of that 100,000 people. So it's just such a huge job to be done. But the Lord is bringing his people in, and as we get out there, preach the gospel, uh, it it surprises me, amazes me really, that, that people are interested in being at the rate, really, the rate at which people want to come hear about Jesus and be part of our churches. I think there's great things happening. I don't think we ought to be too discouraged. I think there's good stuff. Cool. It's a good word. You know, being... Am I the youngest? Yeah, I'm well and truly the youngest. uh, Sorry. How old are you? (laughs) How old are you, Steve? I'm um, I'm 35. How old are you? 35. Ooh, close. Come on, man. So, (laughs) being on the the younger end of the panel here. uh, We are... Andrew, Andrew, come come back to me. Come back. (laughs) Andrew actually married me, so, you know, just, you know, we're, we're allowed to play. There's a respect. That's right. Asians, we're meant to do the respect thing with older people, so Uncle Andrew. Um, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I've seen, though, you know, being, being 35, is I, I'm convinced that there is a, a groundswell of younger leaders coming through in this nation that is really exciting. Like, I mean, just, 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 I mean, this is a bit of a risky experiment, but just uh, put your hand up if you're 35 and under, if you're my age or younger right now in the room. Have a look. Everyone look around the room. Wow. There it is. Look at this. Okay. Come on, give it. Yeah, why not? Let me tell you who's, 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 who we're clapping there, who's working. It's the work of God. That's God. What, what, what we're seeing is God's commitment to his gospel, uh, continuing to go forward generation to generation. We've got a, a whole room full almost of under 35-year-olds all here giving up this time to say we are serious about leading on the front lines. And I'm, I'm seeing that everywhere uh, around our nation. I'm seeing it, I mean, obviously in Sydney and different cities I've been in. I'm seeing it everywhere, and that's, that gives me great cause for encouragement. So uh, let's roll with that wave as God's doing that. I think there's one thing to add to that. I, I think in Australia, many of our Christian organisations were established 100 or 80 to 120 years ago, and, and they, they got their grounding, and many of them have died off now. So I think you're right, Steve. And, but one of the greatest risks for us is that we grow in little organisations all over the place or large organisations and we don't realise that the commonality between us is large. Mm. Um, and so I think, 
I think it's great that there are many young organisations and young people involved in that, but we need to somehow be able to work together. We don't, we don't have to have the same badge, yeah. but we have to have the same mindset and we have to be praying together. Um, and so I think it's very important that we do that. So, yes, I think it's great to see a next generation coming through, but let's do it together. Mm. Andrew, I mean, that's, that's a great kind of segue to, to this big kind of question. How do we... How do we pursue unity in the midst of diversity? Uh, what, what does that look like practically on the ground? How can we, what can we do about that? Let's open that up. Well, can I maybe add to that as, as we go forward? One of the things I, I've noticed uh, both here and abroad is that with this younger generation, um, we can't toss solid doctrine. We have to embrace uh, solid doctrine. That's one of the reasons I love the Gospel Coalition. Our church is a member of that because there's a doctrinal base but what I'm seeing, and Steve, you pointing out the young people that are here, young, being under 35, if that was young, I used to think that was old. But anyways, um, <laughs> is that um, there is this commitment that, to solid theology, but I think in the younger crowd, we're seeing less of a commitment to the tribalism. And that's my hope for Australia, New Zealand, even in the U.S., but the tribalism is in so deep here. And with a younger crowd, um, don't toss your theological distinctives, um, but hold on to what is solid. Again, like what we would see with the Gospel Coalition, a commonality. And, and for example, I was talking to a guy in, in Sydney earlier this week, and he's coming out of the Sydney Anglicans, and, and you know, they're they're great theologically. They're, they're the good guys on the block. At least I think they're, they're part of the good guys. But he's planning with the brethren, and he has no problem with that. And the brethren have no problem because there's a, there's a commitment. He's clear with his theology. Here's what I believe. They're like, welcome, come in. He's a young guy. And, and, and so while there might be some theological distinction, sometimes we use the, the, the illustration open hand, closed hand. We need to hold on to the closed hand, but we need to cooperate. And I'm hopeful for this younger generation and now I'm being older now, saying younger generation. Um, I still surf a shortboard, by the way, if you know what that means. I'm still young. I still have little kids in diapers. But anyways, um, but I'm very hopeful because I see that. I see that while they care about theology, um, I'm hopeful that there'll be less tribalism, and and that's what I'm seeing on the radar. That's good. Brian? Just to blend the two questions together, one thing I'm encouraged about is the new atheism because it's forced the conversation of religion and Christian faith back into the public sphere. So people like CPX in Sydney are doing a good job of that. And it's made colleges like Ridley realise that what we've got to train people to do is not to um, be combative against other Christians, but to recognise that the main target's got to be secularism, atheism, materialism and so on. On the question of disputable matters, so we, I, I like the idea we have a core of doctrine that uh, we will go to the stake for. That I think we need to recover the Bible's category of disputable matters. It's actually a phrase from Romans 14.1. So Romans 14.1 to 15.7 says that when you disagree with another believer over one of these disputable matters, you're to welcome them. Mm. So the more... Cons- this is, it's amazingly insightful, actually. So the, mo- the more conservative Christians um, are likely to judge the less conservative Christians on these issues. That's what the text says. And the danger for the less conservative is that, is that we'll despise those who are more conservative. The wonderful thing about the passage is it's full of great doctrine. So the reason we need to welcome one another on disputable matters is because of the lordship of Christ. Who am I to judge another man's slave? Because of the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Because we must please Christ. Because of the glory of God. And then Paul goes on at the end of Romans to talk about his mission. 
So how we behave on disputable matters will have a huge impact on how successful Christian mission is. That's a good word. Can I add three very practical things? Firstly, uh, on this whole question of how to actually get on on the ground with people mm. that are different, it seems to me you've got to do three things. One, be really clear on what your distinctives are, but don't define yourself by your distinctives. So you know what it is you stand for, you know how you've got particular expression of the historic Christian faith in your context, but don't define yourself by your distinctives because, secondly, recognise what you have in common with other people, which is Christ. And if you're in Christ by grace and they're in Christ by grace, then for you to make some your distinctive, what separates or unites you with another person is to make your belonging to Christ a matter of your works. Right? And so you've just destroyed the gospel by that. Unity is a gospel-destroying, gospel-denying... Mm. Uh, sorry, uh, brokenness is a gospel-destroying, gospel-denying thing. It's that serious. So understand your distinctives, but don't define yourself by them. Secondly, recognise what you have in common with others, which is Christ. Yeah. Um, and thirdly, under no circumstances, believe everything that someone tells you about some other person or network. Mm. It will always contain error. Every single time. So, so when someone tells you about someone else or some other group or some other organisation, say, thanks for that, but I know you're wrong. <laughs> and then go and find out and talk to them. Uh, because Steve wants my microphone. I'm not going to give it to him. <laughs> uh, and so you just, you just don't, don't believe them. And what's more, don't add to the problem by doing the same thing. Okay? Don't slag off at other people. In fact, here's, here's the thing. What if for six months all we said about other networks was positive. Come on, come on. Easy, easy. Yeah, and just, just another small word again to the, you know, because we're such a young-ish crowd. I mean, social media changes the rule, you know, the, the mm. game doesn't big time. Come on, let us, can I just put a big warning out about that? I mean, like, when it comes to handling disputes well, we've got to really work out, does that mean that, you know, you can just kind of slag off on social media? And the amount of damage that that is giving to the Christian mission is appalling. And you guys, under 30, or whatever, whatever, young, next, next generation, you guys are responsible to, for that, I reckon, primarily. So let's, let's give that a good, godly look over as how we handle disputes online. It's good. Can I push back on one thing? It's great that there's Ooh. so many young people here, but yeah. I love the fact that um, I think it's uh, radical diversity is one of the values of Acts 29. So I, I just w want to ask the question, is it, is it true when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 that uh, not many of us uh, who are noble, not many intelligent, not many cool were called, but God chose the uncool and the unintelligent to shame the rest of us. So, so I just encourage us all to recognise that the church is a group of people who don't normally belong together, who were united on an equal basis in one body because of one thing, because of our love for Christ. Yeah. So that's a little, just a, a question for us all. Are we just appealing to too narrow a band of people? That's yeah. why and we if, let Steve Timmis in the network. He's old. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and if I can just, if, if I, I just add into that, I, um, you know, I, I mentioned a few examples in my message yesterday about people who kind of pushed back and said, you know, don't do this church planning thing, it's going to fail. But then there are men who come along like Andrew Reid, who sits down with me and says, brother, go for it, plant a church, and don't just plant a church, plant a church planting church. 
right? So here's a man of God just working behind the scenes. Uh, Peter Adam, who's somewhere here, you know, encouraging, building up, strengthening in the word. I'm so moved and encouraged by uh, the Apostle Paul's teaching in Corinthians. Brian will be able to tell me where it is, uh, where he says, you have many guides, but few fathers. Right, so this is a room for, for younger, there's a lot of younger people here, but let me just speak to those who are perhaps feel that they're in a, a different generation at this point. You have a significant opportunity for gospel ministry in how you evangelize and how you lead, but also how you mentor and disciple others. I mean, Steve and myself, and I'm sure all of us, it wouldn't be here without the encouragement and fatherly uh, leadership uh, of men and, and women who've spoken into our lives. So let me just encourage you in that way. It's certainly been a tremendous blessing and continues to be a blessing in my life. 417. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to... Um... Thank you, brother. I just wanted to talk about my experience at Doreen because when I started, there, there are six church plants and there were eight, but two of them have fallen over. So six church plants into a suburb that's gone from 3,000 to 35,000 in eight years. And when, when I turned up and the, the Anglican guy turned up at around about the same time, I know we both felt a bit threatened because we're kind of going, oh, wow, you're going to take my people, or I'll take yours. And we just sat down and had coffee and prayed and talked together. And we had some different distinctives, but the reality is 35,000 people, there are so many people there there's such a, there's so many people in Melbourne who don't know about Jesus. Just get out there and do the job because the reality is um, our churches will grow. You preach the gospel and be clear about that. People are going to come and there's hardly been any change over. We get on quite well as ministers in our patch, even though we have quite different distinctives. But the, the patch is so huge and, the, and Melbourne is so big, 100,000 people a year. It's just the job's there before us, the, the task, pray, uh, get on with it. That's good. That's good. One final question. I want to talk about the future of Christianity in Australia. You know, a lot of pushback in, in, in secular media, a lot of this talk. What do you guys see? If we could just kind of think into the future at this point, what are, what are the things that you see? Perhaps some of the challenges, some of the things that uh, excite you for gospel ministry. What do, you, what do you think about? Well, one thing that, as I uh, glance around the room, I notice there aren't many Asian faces and uh, we would baptise just in one, one church uh, between 60, probably between 50 and 70 a year. And the Chinese are coming, they're very open to the gospel. I wonder in the providence of God whether the closing of China for 50 years has actually been in the providence of God a way that Christianity may, in some places where it's dying, stay alive. And uh, the Chinese are so open. People are saying this across the world. So one thing that I think we need to do in Australia is to work hard on that uh, with Mandarin speakers, with second-generation Chinese and so on. And uh, we, as you can see from here, we're not really contacting those people amongst ourselves. Uh, we need to do it because they're going to keep coming to Australia. And, uh, and they're open. I mean, Andrew, I have to jump off the back of that. You know, I run a thing called rice. But so, I mean, like, seriously, this, this is big. I, you know, we, God has put us in a country that is, we, we, we've, we've, we're of the West. That is, you know, we've got the, the wonderful Western heritage that we've got so much history and learning and stuff that we have. But, you know, we, so, so we, we, we're a product of that. But, we're, you know, but we're, we're in the East, you know, in terms of we, 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 take, a, we take a lot of that kind of, um, you know, direction from what, what's happening within Asia. And I just think that God is, God is opening up that field, like what Andrew's saying. Just, it's huge. And uh, Melbourne 
I have a real burden to see something like that happen in Melbourne. I mean, I've had a few, few of you wanting to start rice in Melbourne and keen to open that conversation. But I just, I just want to see... I think we've got to really look into that. We, we, we're, the country is going to continue to grow with those kind of migration patterns. And so, you know, how are we going to play ball for that if we want to reach this city of Melbourne? We've got to, you've got to do something about this. And this conference really should be looking, you know, half Asian next, next time we do it. You know, really Let's awesome. do that, man. Come on, let's do it. Uh, just a couple of thoughts, I guess, on the, the future. One, one of the things I think that's really interesting about Australia at the moment is uh, we are going post-denominational. Uh, Christianity Australia has been deeply denominational for the last 200 and something years. Uh, that makes sense because of the history. But we're, we're post-denominational now. That has been reflected in a state-by-state because that's the way the nation developed on a colony-by-colony basis. So there's denominational tribes and state tribes and... That has been all very interesting, which is just another way of saying ugly, um, <laughs> in all sorts of ways. On the other hand, there's the whole globalisation thing, which means that cities are more interconnected now with each other than they've ever been and will continue to only get more so. So Melbourne to Sydney is like a bus ride. You just, you just get on a plane and you're down here and you do your day's work and you go home. Uh, that's just kind of how it is, and I presume Brisbane is the same, Adelaide's the same. It's just it's very tight, and so there's much closer relationship and it seems to me what that's doing is this if we find a way to respond to the post-denominational reality that we're in that doesn't turn into more fracturing and just mini tribalism so this is picking up on the things that Andrew Reid is saying then there is a hope in God that the gospel can flourish uh, in a in a creative and profound new way if the post-denominational fracturing means that we just turn into mini tiny little things all around the place shooting each other then what will happen, I believe, under God is that uh, God will not bless us. He's not going to bless his unfaithful people uh, in that way. He'll wait for us and bring us to repentance. And so the challenge is very significant going forward that we have the denominational history, which is, is falling away. We have a post-denominational and much more integrated future as a nation. And if we can find a way to work the, that in the gospel, then uh, I think uh, that we can see wonderful things happen in this country. It's a great word. I'm kind of a conference animal, so I'm really encouraged by a conference like this, just to see so many people uh, enthusiastic for the cause of Christ. I was up in Sydney for the Keller one, and uh, I, I guess what, what I see the challenge being is how we respond to culture and the importance that we don't think of uh, the shining success as the norm. I think uh, Steve Timmons was saying this yesterday morning, that we remember that we follow a crucified Lord, that in the weakness of God, he overpowered human strength on the cross, and in the foolishness of God, he outsmarted uh, human wisdom. So that, I think that's always going to be important for us to recognise that uh, we, we follow Christ crucified and risen. That's great. It's a great word. David, do you want to... Uh, I'd love it if you could pray for us. Pray for us and uh, give this time uh, to the Lord. What a great message of, of unity in the name of Christ. So uh, let's uh, thank you, Guy, for assembling this panel. And let's pray together. Let's pray for these men as they lead their various uh, um, expressions of the body of Christ. So I'm not going to call it tribes because, um, mm-hmm. again, we are un- unified in Christ. Um, something that we've seen in the globalization, and, and here's the deal. Glo- globalization, Christianity has always been globalized. You look at the Roman world. Uh, Paul was, was from Tarsus, but... Jerusalem, Rome, all over. And so Christianity, by its definition, has always been global, whether our culture has, has been global. And so we need to pray that God would continue to do that. Um, I am first a citizen of 
the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. and my nationality, my, my racial, my ethnicity, that, that's a secondary thing by, by far. So let's pray for that and uh, join with me as we unite our hearts in Christ. Father God, we thank you for the covenant we hear uh, you giving Abraham in the pages of Genesis that through your seed you will bless the nations. Father, uh, we read the story uh, through the history of you working amongst the tribes, even before the coming of Christ, uh, reaching out, preaching repentance to Nineveh, preaching repentance to uh, Babylon, preaching repentance to other nations that had not yet bended their knee to you. And now with the coming of Christ, the offer of the kingdom is to all, where there's neither Jew nor Greek. Father, we pray that you would unite us around you. Father, we do have distinctions, um, but as, as, uh, as our brother pointed out, uh, Father, may we, we hold to those with charity towards one another. We believe those in our hearts, but may we, we center our belief around you, Jesus. Father, we pray for Australia and New Zealand, God, that the gospel would go forward, that there would be uh, unity in you, that there would be um, patience with each other, and that you would use these various movements, these networks, these denominations, um, God, these even ethnic centers as represented by, by the rice movement, God, that you would use them for your glory to make your gospel known. Father, we, we pray for these leaders, uh, encourage them. We pray for the leaders around Australia and New Zealand, God, that, that you would be equipping them for the task at hand to, to, to love each other and to love you foremost. We thank you, God, and we pray that um, here on this earth we would have a greater reflection of what we will see uh, in heaven where every tri- tribe, every tongue, every nation will sit down at the marriage feast of the Lamb. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.